0: Welcome to Author Express. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Shauna Rodriguez, one of your hosts and the founder of Authentic Connections Podcast Network, which makes this podcast possible. This podcast is where you discover the voice behind the pages of your next favorite book. And I'm excited about the author we have for you today. Her best-selling Deadly Force romantic suspense series is set in a world with scary assassins who bow before killing, sexy green berets seeking redemption, and smart, sassy heroines who save them all. It's also a world where, since Sharon is slow and clumsy, her chances of making it out alive would be slim. She also writes small-town contemporary romances, gothic women's fiction mysteries set in the sultry South, historical women's fiction set during World War II, and Christmas romances. Because nothing brings out the feels more than stories set during the holidays. She's an army wife, mother of twins, and caretaker of rescue dogs. She's repped by Deidre Knight and Christy Hunter of the Knight Agency. Sharon is passionate about happily ever afters and seeks to prove their real-world existence through her novels, which is a very important feat. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here, Sharon. Thank you for having me, Shauna. I'm really looking forward to this. Yes. So tell me something interesting about where you are from. So I'm originally from New Jersey,
1: which is not that interesting, except that I was from the part of New Jersey that is very mountainous. It's way up in the upper northwest corner near New York State and Pennsylvania. And so it was like its own other world. Everyone in my town worked in New York City. They took the train in. But my world was a little lake where we all lived in cabins that had been built around 1900 and that were slowly being renovated for bedroom communities. So it was like a world unto itself. It was a wonderful place to grow up, you know, skiing and ice skating in the winter, Great sleigh riding. And then during the summer, because it was in the mountains, we were riding our bikes up and down the hills and having picnics.
0: And it was a great place to grow up. See, and that is, that's one of the most interesting things about New Jersey, I think, is the extreme diversity. Because I've been to LBI, so I've been to, like, the beach area, and I've driven through where it really is, the Garden State. (laughs) And, like, and then this whole area where it's mountains, I have not been there. But, like, it is a very small state for that much diversity.
1: Oh, definitely. And I'm always reminding people it's the Garden State. And they're like, what? it it
0: is (laughs) (laughs) yes I've miraculously driven through that I'm like I can't believe I'm in New Jersey this this feels so different and it was probably the third or fourth time where I was taking a trip from DC to Niagara Falls so I was doing a different way through New Jersey that I finally really experienced that so it's you just never know so that is very interesting yes now more people know you're sharing with the world you just got to get off the turnpike exactly and most that's mostly what you see mostly what you know yes that's right So, do you have any siblings? I do. I have one sister. How would she describe you as a child? Bossy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm the oldest, and I kind of took control of the household at a very young age because my parents had crazy work schedules, and I had a little sister. So, I pretty much ran the household from a very young age. I just told everybody what to do. And my parents were like, okay. (laughs) My sister didn't always fall in line, but... (laughs) Your parents like, this is great. Like, we appreciate the help. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> oh, yeah. They loved it. They were like, okay, well, we know dinner will be on the table. We know that my sister will get to her after school things on time. And,
0: you know, I just kept control of everything. That's too funny. So as you had your own family, did one of your kids kind of take on that role? Or did you just keep taking that role even when you had your own family?
1: I pretty much kept the role. I have twins. <laughs> and so in order to keep control in the household from a young age, Yes. And then my husband was in the military for a long time. So he was often was at home. And so it was just, again, I just got into the habit of just kind of managing the house at, from a very young age. So i not very girl. interesting, but, but no. I'm also a librarian. So that works well, keeping everybody organized all the time.
0: Yes. Did you study <laughs> to become a librarian or how did you end up in
1: that field? I did. I got my graduate degree at Rutgers in library science. And at the time, there were over 40 schools in the country offering library science. Now there's only two. Wow! The library field has really taken a nosedive since Google. No one uses libraries anymore. I mean, people still use them, but not like they were. I was a patent and chemical librarian. That whole division's gone now. It's all handled by Google. Everything's automated. They don't need libraries, librarians anymore. And the public libraries here don't even hire professional librarians. They hire a lot of part-time people because it's cheaper.
0: Yeah, that's unfortunate and interesting and mind-boggling to think that you did the job at Google. Like, that's a really important <laughs> big job. <laughs> yeah, it was.
1: And it, it was one of those things where librarians have been around since, what, the ancient days of Alexandria. And this, uh, as soon as I start, they die off. Like, the jobs dry up. Like, really, thousands of years, and all of a sudden, there's no jobs anymore.
0: That is, that's mind-boggling because that is something that's shocking to think. Like you think of how important Google is and how people use it every single day and how like ingrained it is in our lives. And to think like what a huge job that was and how important that was. But then that's how mind-boggling is that now? Yeah, it is gone because there is that replacement. Yep. That is wild. So I had to be
1: flexible. So I started writing books.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're very familiar with them. So it makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly right.
0: So your latest book is Love's Last Kiss. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. It's the fourth book in the Deadly Four series.
1: Ooh. Is it the last book or is there more to come? No, there's more to come. There's definitely more Ooh. to come. There's probably, I believe there's six more books to come in the series. So, oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. And this was originally a novella for my publisher. And then During COVID, they decided to not publish any novellas for the time being. So I got the rights back to that book in particular immediately. And then I wrote it as a full-length novel. So I would have something coming out during COVID because they were pushing out all of the publishing deadlines. So I rewrote it as a single title novel. So as I was writing, I'm like, this, I can't believe I thought this was ever gonna be short. That's (laughs) amazing.
0: Yes. Well, that's amazing to go from like one novella to an entire series. Was it hard to like parlay it into a series or just flowed and just developed easily? No, it
1: flowed easily. So it was originally a novella within the series to kind of source books wanted to use to market the three books that were already out and in anticipation Ah. of the fourth book. And then when they canceled that, that other book was still in contract negotiations. So I thought I'll just put out the novella on my own. I wanted to learn how to do indie publishing anyway. It was always on my bucket list of things to do. And then as I was writing it and I realized it was a full length novel, I decided I'm going to put it out as the book four and my publisher didn't care. They were like, do whatever you want because it all drives sales back to their books. Yeah. So it was already an organic story that I'd worked on with my editor at source books. It was just a matter of expanding it, which was easy because it was plotted too long to be a novella anyway.
0: <laughs> Oh, it worked out. She's like, it was was much better that way because it was hard enough to condense. Much easier to expand. Exactly. Yes. And my books are
1: long. They have usually four to five POVs and they're about 130,000 words. Oh, wow. So my readers were very happy to get another full length novel in between instead of having to wait. So it worked out. Yes. And these are the ones in the romantic suspense vein. Is that correct? Yes. These are all romantic suspense novels. Yes. The kind of like, Dan Brown-type plots meet super sexy Green Berets and really smart heroines that help the men maneuver both emotionally and physically through these worlds that they're not familiar with.
0: Oh, that's interesting. And that probably adds to the length, because usually you think of romance as being shorter, but once you add in the suspense element, that adds a lot. Oh, absolutely. And then because usually suspense books have other POVs, like a villain or a secondary
1: hero POV. That just adds to the length as well. Yes. Because every book has the hero and heroine point of view, a villainy kind of point of view, but then also the hero of the next book. So Ah. each book is setting up the next book coming in the series. And sometimes those heroes have met the heroine of the next book during the story, and sometimes they haven't. But there's always hints to what the conflict and romance will be for the next book.
0: Oh, fun. That's very fun. So is there a part of your book or a chapter that sticks out to you as the strongest from Love's Last Kiss? I actually think the prologue in this book is
1: one of my favorite chapters Ooh. I've ever written. Yes. Ooh. It wasn't originally supposed to be a prologue. Mm-hmm. My editor and I, before she gave it back to me, we were going back and forth a time. And I think it has all of the elements that I've always looked for in a suspense story. So it's within that chapter, it's a prologue, but within that chapter, it sets up the setting, it sets up the world, it's standalone. So it's only hints mm-hmm. of other things that have gone on. It sets up the hero. It sets up the internal and external conflicts. sets up everything. And the scene just came to me that way. And when scenes come to me that way, I take them. I appreciate them. I love them. And I <laughs> try to not change them too much because most scenes don't come to me that way. But the scenes that I do usually are the ones I feel like are the strongest in all of my books. So, and that's one of them.
0: Oh, that's exciting. I love that. And it's good to know it's standalone. So people can start with Love's yes. Last Kiss. Or And then go back and start from the beginning or start wherever they want to in your series. Yes, exactly. That's so good to know.
1: Try to make all the books as standalone as possible. But as you know, with series, you're always hoping that they'll go back and want to find out about some of the secondary characters that have already had their stories.
0: Yeah. Well, it's fun when you do have that because then you something's familiar or you connect with it as you're reading the other books. You're like, oh, I know about that. Oh, I know the rest of that story. Oh, I, or I want to know more about that story. So I need to read more. That's the hope, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's exciting. So tell us a little bit more about your writing journey. What part of writing brings you the most joy? Actually, the editing.
1: Really? I love coming up with the outline and I love uh-huh. the editing. That I find the drafting onerous and difficult and most time consuming but if i can get uh-huh. a draft down that i can go back to the outline take the messy draft and transform it into what i originally thought it would be ooh and that was the hardest part it took me a long time to publish a long time to find an agent because i kept stopping the drafts not realizing that the draft is not supposed to match the vision in your head it's supposed to be the first step to the vision in your head and it took me years to really understand that and Sometimes for me, for the draft, it might take three or four revisions, but I love revising so much. I can do that very quickly. Whereas it'll take me months and months and months to write a draft. I can revise and rewrite in weeks.
0: Oh, wow. That's nice. It's good you found your groove with it too. The more you've been able to write, it just took me years and years and years to figure that out, but it is what it is. Well, exactly. You got to find your groove and find your process. That's an important part of it all, right? Yes. So if I
1: know if I can get a draft done and I can get a book done, right? <laughs> like it's not perfect, but I know within a few weeks I can get it to where I need it to be to send to a beta reader or an editor.
0: That's wonderful. That makes a big difference. Where do people find you? What is the best place to find you? Because you write multiple types of things. And so what's the best way to find you and all of that? My website,
1: www.sharonray.com. I also blog a lot. I'm on a short hiatus because I've got four deadlines coming up by the end of this month. Ooh. So I took a short hiatus. But I usually blog every day. Oh, no. Nice. And I usually take a hiatus like in the winter, like in the dead of winter and usually like August into early September because I'm usually traveling. But then I'm always, always blogging almost every day about all different kinds of topics from recipes to history because I have a lot of history in my books mm-hmm. to folklore, fairy tales, things like that. So all of my books, all the blogging, everything And you can sign up for the newsletter; it's all on my website.
0: Oh, that's very fun. And spell your name because your last name might trip people up a little bit. It's W-R-A-Y. So the W is silent. (laughs) There you go. So we'll have that in the show notes. But I love to hear things. I'm a verbal, I'm an auditory person. So I like to hear things as well. So perfect. That's how you find her. And so for our closing question, what book or story inspires you the most?
1: Oh, that's easy. When I was 12, I read Jane Eyre.
0: Oh, and I
1: read it in like, I'm a pretty fast reader. It was a big thing when I was in elementary school to speed read to hopefully get your SAT scores up. Anyway, I learned at a very young age with slides, like they would slide across the screen at different rates until you could read paragraphs. Wow. I read that book. I devoured it in like a couple hours. I remember thinking, I didn't know you could feel this way after reading a book.
0: Wow. Like I
1: didn't understand. Also, I was young. I didn't even understand the feelings I was having because the book, you know, has those romantic elements. I didn't understand that I was like falling in love. I didn't understand it. I just knew something had shifted in me. I felt something I'd never felt before, like a wide range of emotions. From that moment on, I went to my teacher and I said, I want to feel this way with another book. Like I need another book. And she gave me Wuthering Heights. Uh, And then the third book she gave me, believe it or not, was Frankenstein. And those books, I know, because I said, I don't care what the emotions are. I just want that deluge of emotions at the end of a story. And then that set me on. Literally, I became a librarian (laughs) because I wanted to feel those feelings, not understanding as a child what that even meant. I didn't know what catharsis meant. I didn't really understand the concept of empathy or sympathy or anything like that because you're a kid. But I was feeling all of these things, and that's what I wanted. And so the first one was Jane Eyre. And I've since read it, and I didn't feel those things again. I thought, am I jaded? Am I old? Whatever. And I just think because I already knew what was coming. So
0: it didn't have now to I'm gonna have to go reread it. That was like the first yeah. I finished in my freshman year of college. It was the first assigned book that I actually read all of. None of my English teachers from high school listened to this, place, But it was the first assigned book I ever finished reading. I now know I had ADHD. I did not know back then but it was the first one I finished reading in college and I thought it was because the book was and it was an amazing book that's probably why I finished it but it was the first one I finished reading so was the first book that ever like really connected with me because I actually read the entire thing and I loved that book it was the first book I ever really loved other than like I read like babysitter's clubs when I was younger but that was oh yeah I I read all those too but they didn't have the emotional piece no not the big adult feels right yes yeah exactly that's amazing well thank you much Sharon this has been amazing it's great to get to know you a little bit thank you so
1: much Shauna I so appreciate you having me on
0: yes take care bye thanks for being part of our conversation today take a moment to follow us on Instagram at author express podcast the link in bio there has connections to all of our guests as well as to your host Kathleen Basie and myself through the end of May you'll find a link at the top of that list for a very special short story anthology a million ways stories of motherhood. It includes work from a number of authors we featured, including myself. It'll make for a wonderful gift for Mother's Day for that reader in your life. We look forward to connecting again next week. Until then, keep it express, but keep it interesting.